A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into the convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. <laughs> help me overcome my unbelief. The two words in scripture that are translated from the same Greek word, faith and belief. Both translated from the Greek word pistuo. The Bible uses them almost seemingly interchangeably, and there would seem to be very little difference between faith and belief. And as I look at this account, and I think biblically, I have to ask myself, is the difference simply semantic, or is there a slight distinction between faith and belief? When one talks about having faith in God, what they typically mean is that they believe that God is real. And so even in the church's own conversations about faith and belief, they're oftentimes used interchangeably. And indeed, they are very similar theologically. However, I suggest to you that they're very different practically. And as I've talked to many people about faith, as I've talked to many people about God, as I've talked to many people about Jesus, as I've talked to many what most people would say is that they have faith in who God is, but belief is different. Their belief is in what that God will do. See, I would often say that I have faith in the character and the nature of God, but have belief in the intervention and activity of God. Two different things. My faith would say that God is real, my belief would say that that real God is going to have action in my life. Now, just think theologically with me for a moment. One would say that they would have faith in God's sovereignty and the fact that God is all-powerful, but belief that that sovereign, all-powerful God will work all things together for good is different. Many would say, I have faith that God is merciful and compassionate and kind, but I believe that he is always with me because he is merciful and compassionate and kind, and I believe that he will never forsake me. Different. Most would say that I have faith that with God nothing is impossible, but I believe that that God 
will do exceedingly beyond anything I could ever hope or imagine, see faith and belief. Though theologically very similar, practically fleshed out in very different ways. And I would assert that I too have faith in God and his character. But my belief relies on what that God will do because of his character. Faith and belief. Most people in church have some element of faith. But dare I say, few people in church have strong belief. Faith is crucial for belief, but let me warn you about two things. Faith in the character of God is crucial for belief in that God's activity. But let me warn you about two things. One, faith without belief gets us into heaven, but misses the power of heaven while on earth. We're going to have faith that Jesus is the only way to heaven. We're going to have faith that God loved us so much that he sent his son to the world that those who would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. We're going to have faith that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father but through him. Faith for salvation, but without belief, misses the power of heaven while on earth. I would be cautioning us about this second thing, that belief without faith is simply humanistic optimism. In other words, what I mean is it doesn't take faith in a sovereign saving God to believe that things are going to get better. It doesn't take faith in a sovereign saving God to believe that there's a silver lining behind every cloud. An atheist can tell you to keep your head up, tomorrow's going to be a better day. It doesn't take faith to believe that things would get better. See, it's tragic. It's tragic. When one has faith and still struggle to believe. It's tragic to have faith that heaven is real and God is real and a relationship is possible through him. But to go through situations and circumstances in life that allow doubt and unbelief to creep in so much that you doubt what God will do for you and in you. It's tragic to have faith without belief. But I know that some of us have been going through some things for so long. And I know that some of us Our journey has been so hard. I know that for some of us, the waters we're trying to tread are so turbulent. I know that the situations that some of us have been living in have gone unchanged day after day, month after month, year after year, that I've got to admit that, yeah, I got some faith. But at this point, because of what I've experienced, I got a lot more doubt alongside it. Enter Mark 9. I believe. But at this point, (laughs) you got to help my unbelief. 
Can I preach for a little bit? Verse 24, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. My boy is hurting. My child has no help and no hope. I have tried everything. You are my last resort. I do believe, but you got to help me overcome my unbelief. Because right now, I got more doubt. Have you ever been in a Mark 9, 17 through 24 season in life? Boy, from the looks of it, we got a perfect church. Ain't nothing gone wrong in any of your lives. Personally. I got faith. But personally, boy, there's sometimes I got a lot more doubt. There, I can honestly say, I don't know that there's ever been a day in my life when I did not have faith. When I did not have faith in God, that there was a God, and he did love me, and Jesus did live and die for my sin and was resurrected. I don't know that there's ever truly been a day in my life when I didn't have faith that Jesus did in fact pay the sin penalty for my sin. I've always had faith in eternity and the reality of a relationship alongside the Father in heaven. I don't know that there's ever been a day in my life when I didn't have faith, but boy, I've been through some things though. When I've had doubt, I've been through some things that made me doubt my worth. I've been through some things that made me doubt my value. I've been through some things that made me doubt God's continued intervention in my life. I've been through some things that made me doubt God's ongoing activity. I've always had faith in the atoning blood of Jesus. And his death on the cross, the shedding of that blood voluntarily for the forgiveness of our sins. But I'm telling you, I've messed up so badly in my life that at times I doubted he would forgive me. I have great faith that God's mercies are new every morning, but I'm telling you, I've been through some stuff that there's times I've doubted he would continue to bless me. I believe. But God, you've got to help me overcome my unbelief. Have you ever been through a Mark 9 season? few more believers here now. Here's the interesting thing about doubt, because I've doubted. The interesting thing about doubt is that its close relative is a thing called fear. Fear is the offspring born out of doubt. 
Fear is the greatest thief in your life and in my life. Fear will steal your joy. Fear will steal your faith. Fear will steal your belief. Fear will steal your future. And I guarantee you, if you have ever lived a life like me, you have had some doubt and you know that fear is close behind. If you want to defeat fear, you got to deal with doubt. This is exactly what the devil did in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. They were in a perfect environment. They had the perfect bodies. They were naked and had no shame. There was intimacy without interference. There was communication with no condemnation. And all the devil did was have to introduce doubt into their minds. Did God really say, the devil said. And the results of doubt was catastrophic. Because that led them to sin and sin caused them to fear God. For the Bible says that Adam, after sin, in talking to God, said we were naked and we hid because we were afraid. Doubt led to sin, which caused fear and created an eternal separation that husband and wife would always experience at some level and mankind would always experience with the creator. And this is still the devil's tactic with you and me to introduce doubt to people of faith and to control us by fear. Oh, I got some faith. But boy, I tell you, I got some doubt alongside it. And we are all subject to fear and to doubt. Faith mixed with doubt in Mark 9. This is especially poignant for parents. If you're a mommy or a daddy, you know that nothing can make you more fearful in life. And nothing can cause you to doubt God's goodness like your children. No, 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 pay attention. Here's what I mean. Notice how doubt was introduced into this man's life and why it grew. Just look at this. Verse 17 and 18. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who was possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This man had a great need. Oh, it wasn't his need, though it was his need, because it was his son's need. And every parent feels the need of their child as if it is their own. And every parent knows that your world stops when your child hurts. Don't you? Every parent I've talked to who's having a child go through a rough thing, I've told them this words that I heard a long time ago. A parent is only as happy as their least happy child. And when a parent has a least happy child, do you understand the truth of that statement? 
Children have a power over their parents' lives like nothing else does. Am I right? And so this daddy had a need. But this daddy had faith. This daddy had a child who had a need that nobody else could meet. This daddy had a child who had great despair. This daddy had a child, though he had great need, this daddy knew who had the answer. And this daddy left home that morning believing that that one who had the answer would give the answer and would heal. But here's what happened. This daddy's experience with the followers of Jesus proved contrary to this daddy's belief. This daddy left home that morning believing that Jesus had the answer. And this daddy ran into the followers of that Jesus. And his interaction with the followers of that Jesus destroyed his belief. Watch, this is what happens. Doubt entered. Because their faith didn't work. See, when we expect God to do, and then experience God not do, doubt begins to take up residence. And we begin to lose both faith and belief. I mean, this is how it works. Whenever we have faith that God can do, but our experience tells us a different story, we doubt. And this is why some of you here have more doubt this morning than belief. Oh, your faith might be secure. You're still going to heaven, but you don't believe that the God of that faith will move in your life anymore. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't let the reality of your long wait cause you to doubt that God will show up. Don't let the reality of your long wait, your long belief, cause you to doubt that that God will show up and show forth. I know what it is. When you've been waiting on answers that have not yet come, I know what it is. You're waiting on a relationship that has not arrived. I understand. You're waiting on a move that hasn't moved. I get it. You're looking at a mountain and it has not been thrown into the sea. I understand. You begin to wonder, is God moving? Will God move? I doubt he's able. Oh, I got faith. Can't wait to get to heaven, all this behind me. But anymore, not much belief. I want you to notice something, verse 17. This man says to Jesus, teacher, I brought you my son. He goes on to say, but your disciples couldn't heal him. Who did this man bring his son to originally? The disciples. But he says, 
I brought you my son. When in reality, he first brought his son to those who represented Jesus. Not to Jesus. He brought his son to those representing Jesus, expecting them to do what Jesus was able to do. In other words, don't miss this. Jesus' representatives are to have the same access to kingdom authority that Jesus has. If I call myself a representative of Christ as a Christ follower, for that's what Christian means, little Christ, that therefore means that I am to have the same authority of the kingdom of God that Jesus himself has. That was the expectation of the daddy that morning, and apparently that was the expectation of Jesus for those who followed him. That because they followed him as his representatives, they would also have access to the same kingdom authority that he possessed. Did they? Yes, they did. But it went unrealized in their lives. I wonder for me how many people around me look at me as a representative of Jesus and see no power of the kingdom in my life so they have no faith. Let that sink in. Has it sunk? So if we call ourselves a Christ follower, a little Christ, I wonder how many people around us look at us as representatives of Jesus and see no power of the kingdom in our lives and therefore have no faith. I want to be very clear about what Jesus invites us into. Jesus invites us into two things. One, faith for salvation, but two, belief in the power of the kingdom. Jesus invites us into faith for salvation, for it is he who said, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through me, Jesus says. I am the way. I will die on the cross to pay your sin price. Your salvation is secure because of my life, death, and resurrection. He invites us into faith for salvation. But the other thing that he invites us into that we have missed for far too long is belief in the power of the kingdom of God, that it comes through Christ to this world through his representatives, ambassadors of us. It is important that followers of Jesus, don't miss this, step into kingdom belief as much as faith of salvation. I want you to notice the man's words. Jesus, if you can help. Now I want you to notice Jesus' words. If. 
All of you old NFL Saints Jim Mora fans will recognize that. Playoffs? Playoffs? You're talking about playoffs? My mind just goes there sometimes. I can just imagine Jesus. If. If. You're going to talk about if. Can you see him? Can you envision it? <laughs> if you can. And I love Jesus' words. Everything is possible for him who believes. In this instance, Jesus didn't say, everything is possible for him who has faith. Everything is possible for him who believes. Here's what I love about this. Look at how good God's grace is. Everything is possible for him who believes. Now, in that interchange that's going on right now in Mark 9, there's how many people in that interchange? Two, Jesus and the daddy, right? So there's two people in that interchange, and Jesus says everything is possible for him who believes. Jesus didn't say everything is possible, daddy, for if you believe. He says there's two of us talking now, and anything is possible for him who believes. Jesus knew that one of those two people's faith was going to be weak, but there was one more person in that interchange for whose faith wasn't going to be weak. Do you understand? Jesus knows that in our interaction between me and him, anything is possible for him who believes. Jesus knows that one of those people in that interchange is going to have weak faith. But Jesus also knows the other man, the son of man, has belief that never wavers. And so guess what? God is so good in my interaction with Jesus. There's two, me and Jesus. One of those two has a character that'll fail. But the other one can do anything but fail. Anything is possible. See, here's the thing. There are times there are times when I have no belief and in the absence of my belief, I have to rely on his character. There are times when I have no belief anymore. And in the absence of my belief, I must rely on his character. There are times when I have no belief. And in the absence of my belief, I must rely on his character. If you haven't got it yet, I'm going to say it one more time. Don't miss this. There are times when I have no belief. And in the absence of my belief, I must rely on his character. That is tweet worthy and post worthy and whatever grammar worthy. Look at verse 22. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. He asks one, if you can do anything, take pity. That word pity is a very important word. God, if you can do anything in our midst right now, just have pity on us in this place. 
That word pity is a Greek word that literally means compassion. And that word pity or compassion is used 12 times in Matthew, in Mark, in Luke. And every time it's used of Jesus or the Father over those and towards those he loves. What it is, it is, it is an intense feeling that causes one to move on behalf of the other. So what this daddy is saying is, that Jesus, if you can do anything, just take compassion. Because I know if you take compassion on your heart will be moved towards us. Just happy. See, compassion is when one is compelled to action that takes the form of mercy towards another. God, if you would do anything, just have compassion on us because I know that that compels you to move mercifully for us. And so our prayer goes like this. God, when I doubt your activity, because I know I will, I will rely on your mercy. When I doubt your activity, because I know I will, I will rely not on my belief, but on your mercy. When I don't see God's hand, I must trust his character. And that's what this daddy was saying. I brought him to you through your representatives. They couldn't help. I don't see your activity anymore. And so I'm throwing myself on your character, which is a character of mercy and compassion. So if you could do anything, have compassion on us, because I know that's your character. And I know once you have compassion, you're going to move towards us. There are times when all I can do is ask for God's mercy. There are times when I don't know what to say. There are times when I don't know how to communicate to God. There are times when questions abound and answers are none. The only thing I can do is say, God, you just give me some mercy. There are times when I'm so tired. I can't even ask for strength. All I can do is plead with God for his mercy. I don't know about you, but I know about me. And there are times when I am so in need, the only thing I can ask for is God. I just need your mercy. There are times. When I'm so lonely, the only thing you can request is for God's mercy. There are times. The thing I love about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God is a kingdom where mercies are new every morning. And I love that about the kingdom of God. And so I pray in line with what Jesus said. God, let your kingdom come right now on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because part of what that means is God, show your mercy to me right now. It's a kingdom of mercy. And there are some things that are so deep and so profound and so de- that, that all I need is your mercy. See, because here's what I know. And this is what this daddy knew. 
That God, because your heart has moved towards me in mercy, your hand will show up for me. That's what this daddy knew. God, because your heart is moved towards me, your hand will show up for me. If you can do anything for me, Jesus, do one thing, give me your mercy. Because I know that when your mercy, when your pity is upon me, your heart moves towards me. And when your heart moves towards me, your hand moves for me. God, let your kingdom come. Your kingdom of mercies that are new every morning. Because I know that should your compassion fall upon me, your hand will move for me. And it is this God of this kingdom that invites us into it with him. See, here's what the kingdom is. I was sitting at my desk just last week thinking, how do I put this in terms Uh, And this is what I came up with, and I want you to get this. The kingdom is the reign that is instituted, managed, and maintained by a father who is merciful, compassionate, and full of grace toward a people who have weak, faulty, and insufficient faith. The kingdom of God is the reign of God that is instituted, managed, and maintained by a father who is merciful and compassionate and full of grace towards people who have weak and, yes, faulty and absolutely insufficient faith. Praise God on high. The kingdom of God is the reign of a God and that reign is instituted, managed and maintained by a father who is merciful and compassionate and full of grace to people like me and people like you that are full of weak, faulty and insufficient faith. That is good news. And it's this God And this kingdom that we say, Father, take pity. Father, have mercy. Father, help us that your kingdom of mercies come. And I invite you into the kingdom of God. Some of you have lived in the kingdom of this world your whole lives. And it has done nothing but killed you, stolen from you, and destroyed you. And you are invited this day into the kingdom of God. Where his mercies and his hand towards you is new every morning. Some of you in this place... We've lived with a foot in both kingdoms for far too long. A foot in the kingdom of faith for salvation and a foot in the kingdom of this world that doubts the manifestation of the kingdom in this world for far too long. Oh, you have faith for salvation, but no belief in the kingdom manifestation for far too long. And I invite you in this morning to do as Jesus 
said in Matthew 6.33, to seek as your foremost priority, to invest as your primary focus, the kingdom of God, the full reign of God in and over your life. And to know that because of his character, because of his compassion and his pity and his mercy and his grace, that all these other things, will be added to you. I invite you into the kingdom of God. Faith for salvation and belief in the kingdom's manifestation right now on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to pray with me. If you've never trusted Jesus for salvation, placing your faith in him, start there. In the quietness of this moment between you and God, I invite you to admit who you've been apart from Jesus. Tell him, say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I've lived contrary to your standard for far too long. I've not yet trusted you for salvation. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and take up residency. I give you control. I trust you in faith because of your grace for my salvation. For those of you who have done that, I invite you also into the kingdom of God. Into belief in the manifestation of the kingdom in your world right now. You've trusted God for your salvation. You've doubted the belief in his kingdom showing up in real ways. that doubt has caused you to fear. To fear giving him the totality of who you are. The fear of giving him the totality of belief. To really believing that the kingdom could come. I invite you into the kingdom. So for those of you who have faith in Jesus for salvation, I invite you now into the kingdom. to respond in prayer. God, I believe in your kingdom authority and that it has authority over the kingdom of the evil. I believe in your kingdom authority and that it has authority over every work of the devil and the demon. I believe in your kingdom and in the authority of your kingdom to reign and to rule for new things to be birthed. I believe in the authority of your kingdom to break chains that have enslaved. I believe in the authority of your kingdom. And this morning, by faith, 
because I believe in the authority of your kingdom, I step into your kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Let the will of your kingdom be done. Father, there are people right now in this place who spiritually are stepping into your kingdom. We have faith for salvation. Father, we want to believe in the manifestation of your kingdom right now, right now. Fear doesn't stand a chance. Doubt is destroyed. We want to stand in the middle of your love right now. There are people, Father, I pray you would hear and you would know that you would see, that you would feel our hearts. The only thing we want, the priority of what we want is your kingdom and it to come. And so we give ourselves to you in faith, by belief, we say in this day, we stand in the middle of your love, let your kingdom come.